This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with David Yovano, CEO and Director of Impact. David is a multi-time CEO with more than two decades of marketing and management experience. On this episode, David explains what partnership marketing is, how to use it most effectively, and why it leads to larger reach, improved efficiency, and better results. It's a really thought-provoking conversation about an often overlooked area of marketing that can lead to huge results. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click the link in the show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have special guests on the other line. David, what's going on? Hey, Ian. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. As someone who did strategic partnerships in a former life, I am really excited to talk about investing in partnerships and how every marketing leader needs to know about what partnerships are going to hold in the future. But first, how did you get into marketing? Marketing. Okay. I was a, a marketing major in college at the George Washington University. Were you really? I was. Graduated in 94, uh, going back. But honestly, my first job uh, in marketing really was as a product leader uh, at Conversant in 99, towards the end of the, the whole internet boom, just before it busted. Uh, it was just a very interesting time, kind of a wild, wild west back then. You know, people were coming from all different walks of life and industries into this new thing called the internet. And honestly, if you had any kind of drive, passion, some kind of skill set on how things work, especially, you know, technology related. And on top of that, if you can collaborate well with others, you're able to move pretty quickly to earn more and more responsibility. So that, that was kind of my experience in the early days with, with Conversant when the whole internet was trying to create a business for itself. And interestingly, when I started at Conversant, I was actually reporting to the VP of product who reported to the CMO within a year, the CMO was reporting to me. And so I just love <laughs> meritocracy organizations, but it was certainly a crazy time back in the early internet days. That is crazy. And I think it's funny in kind of technology that it speaks to both how unequipped some CMOs have been to handle digital change and how quickly you can get replaced because you don't have the skill sets that are needed going forward. You know, it's part of the reason why we created this podcast is to make sure that we have, you know, cutting edge tactics from, from the field so that marketers can stay ahead. You know, you had a stint in the U S Navy, you had a, a few different experiences in and around technology. Did you feel like all of those things kind of led you to a place where currently now as the CEO of Impact that you saw partnerships from multiple different angles and obviously being CEO of Marin Software, where I'm sure you saw uh, partnerships extremely big and large uh, there as well. 
Yeah, I think I think my uh, interest in technology, I mean, even going back to college days, you know, this is I went to college when we um, it was pre-internet, you know, it was we're perfect 5.1. Our college didn't get a computer lab until I was a sophomore, probably in college. But even ahead of that, I was working two jobs during the summer to buy my own first computer and just figure things out, both from you know a very basic programming language standpoint, but also for just power user of a number of applications. Just as a hobby, I was just very interested in that just personally. I didn't realize that there was going to be a whole industry created around it. I designed my graduate program's first website ever at GW, but that was just like a passion project. And then when an industry was really started to be built around it, I think, yeah, I learned a lot from the military just in terms of leadership skills and dealing with people, all, all different types of people at all levels. Yeah, I think a combination of tech and scaling with organizations, uh, I think that all is kind of you know added to my my own professional success and, and and experiences, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on at Impact and the type of you know scope and scale that you all have uh, have built over the past few years. So today, um, Impact is providing a, a partnership automation SaaS solution to over a thousand enterprise brands, and this goes across all verticals. Uh, so some example clients would be American Express, Casper, Home Depot, Hotwire, Microsoft, Uber. And so that's a good, you know, cross, you know, vertical example set of clients there. I think what's been happening is that, you know, traditional sales and marketing channels have become quite challenged with some of the changing consumer behavior today, especially this whole shift to mobile and the traditional sales and marketing tactics just, just aren't working like they used to. And so enterprise brands have been looking into this new category of partnerships to drive higher growth. And so what's happening is that enterprises are starting to align themselves with other businesses or individuals who have a trusted first party relationship with the customer that they're trying to acquire. And they're essentially working to establish an alliance whereby they natively refer customers. And so new kinds of partnerships are starting to take form with influencers, with apps, traditional media publishers, there's software integrations that are happening. There's business-to-business -business partnerships. There's new social responsibility partnerships, which I think are fascinating and almost required to be a relevant brand today with today's consumer. And then there's traditional affiliate partnerships. And what Impact Software is doing essentially is automating the discovery of new partners. Uh, we handle the contracting with partners directly. Uh, we handle the tracking and attribution of the value of each transaction. We're handling payment processing to partners and then uh, fraud protection, essentially. So we put that all together in an integrated solution. And so this is big business today. I mean, our, our most mature customers are driving like 25% of their total revenue mix through partnerships today. And as a channel, it's growing like 50%. Uh, in fact, Forrester just re released some uh, research recently that's indicating that companies with mature partnership programs are growing overall company revenue nearly twice as fast as companies with less mature partnership programs. And just to give you a sense of impact size and scale, uh, we're on track to manage more than $50 billion this year in e-commerce sales on the impact platform. We're going to process more than $2 billion this year in payments to partners. Yeah, the quote from Forrester saying you know, that they believe the third stage of enterprise growth will revolve around you know, paving the last mile to the customer through partners and alliances, I think really speaks to how much we just never really saw this coming, you know, that we never really saw that 
an influencer could be or a partner could have a reach beyond just how you would traditionally pay for advertising. And also just the complexity that, you know, new regulations, you know, hashtag ad, hashtag spawn, you know, all these things. Um, and you see celebrities getting dinged for this all the time now of not being able to do it the right way. And, you know, organizations just fundamentally not knowing what they're doing uh, or how to do this. And I think that that confusion adds to a really complex problem that modern marketers have, right? Like you have so many more channels than you used to have and being able to sift through that noise is pretty challenging. Yeah, I think that the, the real challenge, I mean, we look at some of the stats today, like people, so the change in customer behavior that I mentioned has to do with people's attitude towards being sold to or being marketed to, right? People just don't trust salespeople today. There's some data from Discover Org that talks about that. And just the same people don't trust advertising today, especially millennials. Like they don't want to be sold to or marketed to. They want to seek advice and get recommendations and do their own research. And then some of the other hashtag movements that you've talked about, you've got some real issues around GDPR and ITP that's making the whole tracking of the effectiveness of advertising near impossible, let alone using any kind of third-party data. And so it's really forcing, I think, enterprises to rethink the traditional sales and marketing tactics. And I think that that change in consumer trend, yeah, you know, I forgot to mention the, this whole move to mobile. So, you know, IB talks about like 90% of the new digital ad dollars are going to just two companies, Facebook and Google. And, you know, with that, it's all mobile. So that money is going to smaller and smaller screen sizes, there's less supply available and, and attention available for advertising. And so it's, it's a tough world out there for traditional tactics and sales and marketing. And I think that's really what's been leading to the emergence of this new category around partnerships. And you're tapping into forming an alliance with somebody that's got a trusted first party relationship. Like when you talk about a celebrity and getting busted and like, that's still marketing in my mind. Like that's not an authentic recommendation. It's a paid post and Everybody knows that that's advertising, but there's you know kind of this growing trend towards a more uh, native sort of recommendation or referral where somebody is giving their opinion on something and having that uh, lead to a referral for um, for a transaction. And that, that's the category that we're talking about here. Well, you know, we did we did an episode of marketing trends back in the early days that was looking at you know forty lessons from forty years of Apple advertising. And there's kind of like four buckets that all of their ads kind of ended up being into. And one of the buckets that was crystal clear was how they used celebrities in their advertising over and over and over and over again. This, like, this is kind of like the what's old is new sort of a thing. Using influencers in your marketing is something that people have done for, you know, 100 years. The difference is that you still needed to pay for the ad to be on TV, you still needed to pay for it to be on radio, you still needed to pay for that thing in a different way. The difference is now that the distribution of that asset is also with the influencer. Like that's the huge change is, well, the influencer is now worth more money because they include distribution in that. How do you think that like that is going to continue to evolve? Well, let me give you a specific example. And I think that kind of gives your audience a better understanding of exactly what we're talking about. I like to talk about this partnership between 
Textile and Marla Catherine. So Textile is a collection of women's fashion brands that includes Fabletics. And Marla Catherine has a popular channel on YouTube. She's got over a million subscribers. She's only 15 years old. Um, But in one video, it's like eight minutes long and it's how she spends her day, like what she's eating for breakfast. She's at school talking with her friends and then she's working out. And then all through the video, she's wearing a pair of leggings that she likes. And sure enough, there's a, a link in the description of the video that refers people to Fabletics to shop, basically. And that's not an ad. And I think her audience would call her out if she was a celebrity doing something that she didn't really believe in. Like she's giving her honest opinion. Like she likes these leggings. She's referring people to Fabletics. Like she's, she's aligning herself with that brand. And, you know, her audience will find Fabletics in that way. That's what we're talking about. Very different from a celebrity marketing sort of an endorsement. This is a, a partnership. And there are so many examples like that that is really, you add it all up and it's really starting to move the needle for enterprise growth today. You know, that's, that's the case that we're working on as a company. You know, I, I kind of hate the term micro-influencer, but it's kind of the best thing we have right now. Uh, I don't really know a, another way of, of looking at it. Uh, perhaps you have some better ways of, of looking at these things, but you know, these kind of like micro-influencers where they're not a household name, but they're a household name to the, you know, 300,000, 200,000, 20,000, whatever it is, followers that this person has. What's the the kid who does the unboxing videos on YouTube that's like one of the highest paid people on YouTube? What's that? I forget his name, but my nephew watches him all the time. But like these sort of people, like if you wanted to do business with a hundred or a thousand micro-influencers. How do marketing leaders do that now? Uh, and what are some of the best practices that you've seen to be able to do things at scale? How do you pick them? How do you, you know, know which ones to do? Like, how do you look at this stuff? So I'm going to answer that, that question specifically, but I want to give you another example uh, just so that people kind of understand yeah. maybe what was a micro-influencer a couple of years ago. There's, there's sizable audiences. So I personally, every once in a while, I'll do wood shopping projects. And so I was building a, work, a workbench and I was looking up how to use a certain saw to make a certain cut. And I find this guy on YouTube, some, some guy on the East coast, n- nothing flashy or anything about him. He's got all kinds of videos on how to do all kinds of wood shopping thing. You know, great tips at the end of this eight minute video, he's basically saying that this jig that he used to um, kind of recommend to people that he always uses, they're not sponsoring his channel anymore. And then he goes, but you know what? I've been sleeping on this Casper mattress for the last two years and I love it. And he's got this endorsement for a match. It's so like out of context and something unexpected, but as out of context as it was, I actually appreciate it because it seemed like such a, an authentic opinion. He's sitting on it, his cat's there, he's showing how he unboxed it in his living room and, and it's actually in his bedroom. Like he's like, I'm using it now. I don't know if Casper sent it to him or if he originally bought it. But this guy has a million followers on his YouTube channel and it's just woodworking projects. And so there are sizable audiences that a lot of people aren't even aware of. But to answer your question directly about how enterprises kind of go about discovering these, that's a lot of what we address as an integrated SaaS solution. So we acquired a business called Media Rails, for example, and they automate the discovery, the recruitment, the engagement of both new and existing partners. So instead of getting on Google or, you know, calling the same partners that you've called on for the last 20 years, we're providing software automation to find new partners. 
by the way, partners aren't just influencers either. They, they, they go across all kinds of different categories. And I can give you some more examples of the types of software integrations that exist on our platform. There's, there's other just business development deals that are happening. Influencers are, are definitely a fast growing, a very interesting category. But to answer your question, that's what our software automation does. It makes it easier and just automates and helps our clients kind of scale growing their their programs and, and partners. Well, yeah, and and I think we should we should probably pause and dive deeper into like what what a partner is, like what do you define as a partner? And the reason why I wanted to start with influencers is because I find that to be the most complex, the most confusing and the most like untraditional negotiation. You know, if you want to partner with a publisher, we may or may not have some stuff in place to be able to do that. It's not exactly, you know, something that's brand new. But I don't know how to negotiate with a 15-year-old. I don't know. Do I have to talk to their parents? Do I, like, how do I do this, right? So that's kind of why I, I wanted to start with that. But maybe let's just take a step back and say, like, what is a partner? Uh, a partner is somebody who has a trusted first-party relationship with a customer or with an audience that somebody else wants to acquire as a customer. This kind of the, the high-level definition that I would give it. Um, and it might make more sense if I just gave you a couple examples of the different types of partnerships that exist, at least on our platform, and I think you'll start to get it. And so, you know, Ticketmaster, for example, has a native software integration with Spotify, right? And so a person can listen to an artist on Spotify. They can tap through different content within the Spotify app. They can see a list of concert events, tap through an event, and then go over to the Ticketmaster ticketing experience and purchase a ticket, right? It's not an ad. It's a native user experience that just makes sense, right? You're listening to an artist and, you know, you might want to go see them at a concert. You know, Airbnb's got uh, strategic business development partnerships with a number of airlines, including Delta and Qantas. There's an example at deltaairbnb.com. So in one case, a person can book a ticket on Delta, use their miles to book a stay at, at an Airbnb. Again, it's, it's a partnership that, that just makes sense. Target's got a mobile partnership with Samsung, where Samsung is able to make suggestions to their customers through their web browser experience, as well as their Bixby AI experience. And those suggestions are driving product sales over to, um, to Target. I mentioned social responsibility, which I'm just fascinated with this category because you see a lot of the, especially the, the direct-to-consumer brands, you know, like Tom's shoes kind of started that for every shoe you, you buy they'll, or pair of shoes, they'll, they'll donate it. And there's a new sock company that's doing that same thing. They'll donate a pair of socks to homeless shelters. But BarkBox has really interesting partnership with pet shelters. And so they've mailed their subscription boxes out to shelters. And so as dogs come and go, they get to play with the toys and treats. And new pet owners can see how to sign up for that subscription service. And for every new subscriber, BarkBox will donate a commission to the pet shelter, essentially. We have some consumer tech companies like Microsoft that will align themselves with banks and other cards. And basically, those members might be checking their account, see an offer that says, hey, we're partnered with Microsoft, go through the shopping experience and receive a discount on Microsoft products on us. Thank you for being a, a loyal card member, essentially. You know, traditional affiliate is still, you know, used for us. It's um, less than 20% of our total partner mix. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, this, this really is all that existed in digital. Uh, yeah. But Kohl's has, has a traditional affiliate partnership with Ebates, right? So Ebates is a popular cashback 
membership site that is essentially referring customers to shop at Kohl's. And then maybe just one more. So Fubo TV, this is kind of a growing thing and it's kind of related to the Ticketmaster experience, which I'll unpack here a little bit more in just a minute. But Fubo TV has a traditional media publisher partnership with a number of Ziff Davis brands. And so a Mashable reader in one example can get the 2019 Women's World Cup schedule uh, as well as other information about how to stream the matches, which essentially is referring new subscribers to Fubo TV. And on that example, as well as Ticketmaster, I think those are good ones where the enterprises that are looking to acquire a new customer through this partnership, it seems to me that there's a trend to where those enterprises are giving something to the partner, right? Some kind of content or some kind of functionality that enhances their their relationship, their trusted relationship with their audience. And so I don't know if this is true or not, but I would imagine that maybe Fabletics gave a pair of leggings to Marla Catherine, but it would make sense to me that maybe they did. But trusting that she's going to like them, and if she likes them, she's going to talk about them. You know what I mean? And so in this case, Fubo TV is giving some content to a publisher like Mashable. I'm sure that's helping with their SEO and some other strategies. And so by giving that content, making them relevant with their audience because everybody's trying to figure out how to stream, you know, the 2019 women's world cup matches. Right. You see what I'm talking about? And then like Ticketmaster, doesn't that just make sense if you're listening to an artist that within that experience, you'd want to show your users of Spotify where that artist is in concert. There's, there's a story there that I think needs to be discovered a little bit more. And we're seeing that just kind of happen organically on our platform, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think that, the way partnerships are done today that are digital first and kind of back their way out, I think is kind of the new normal. Because if you don't know how to connect it digitally, then it's just not connected at all, right? You know, a great example, and now they own them, but like WeWork bought Flatiron. It's kind of one of these things like, hey, we have all these startups and companies that use our our places. All of these people need you know, developers and people who are upskilled, like we should have some capacity that has Flatiron, you know, graduates in and around our WeWork offices, right? Like it, it's kind of a no brainer. But the idea though, is if you're not making those digital connections, if it's just kind of like a logo on a website, like that's not really going to be front of mind for the people that are doing it. But when you sign up for, you know, WeWork, if you have the opportunity, and I don't know if this is like official yet or anything, but like, Hey, by the way, like, are you looking for a web developer? Check out this website. Like you're talking about, you know, making one plus one equals three. And that stuff is really exciting for the business developers. But whose job is that in the company to set that up? You know, is it the head of business development? Is it the CMO? Is it the CIO? Like who, who are you working on these, you know, partnerships with? Because I, I don't think there's a clear person necessarily at each company. It's definitely not a clearly defined role uh, yeah. in all cases. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And that's one of the key. So our most mature clients, they have like a mature uh, partnership organization in place. And what they're doing, at least, is that they are consolidating. See, these partnerships have been around for a long time. They've just been in silos and pockets of companies, right? You've had influencer teams, you've got affiliate teams, you've got channel partnership teams, you've got biz dev teams. But it tends to be like a handful of people kind of scattered throughout an organization. The most mature customers on our platform have truly started to consolidate 
their team. So their biz dev teams are getting consolidated with their influencer teams, with their affiliate teams, their channel partnership teams. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a chief partnerships officer uh, role kind of get established at enterprises here very soon because it doesn't fit. This is outside the scope of traditional sales and marketing, right? We're talking about the people who are really advancing within organizations. You know, I'm just thinking of a couple of people that I personally work with closely. These people come from like M&A backgrounds, believe it or not. Yeah, no, no, I totally believe And that. they've got like some kind of like product tech experience or, or interest at least on their part because they're putting deals together. They're putting partnerships together that it's not planning for them buying and placing an ad and you're just kind of doing the analytics and the tracking to see if it performed. These are a little bit more involved deals essentially because you're trying to understand, you know, what does the partner want out of it as well? You want to make them relevant with their audience or their customers and, and add value. And maybe there's a way for, for um, both to uh, kind of gain from it besides just the commission. And so uh, for sure, I think that this is what is absolutely happening with our most mature uh, clients that it's, it's being called out as its own team. And it's exciting. This is a lot of what we're advocating for because I think it's needed. And so that alignment with Forrester and for them to say, this is the next wave of enterprise growth is actually optimizing this channel. It's exactly what we're talking about. And by the way, I wanted to give you, when you talk about WeWork, just to let you know how my mind thinks, like I'm always thinking like, what is the angle for a partnership? I was talking with a um, potential client. Uh, I was just at a conference recently and they sell a pretty niche like 401k retirement sort of product, right? It's a financial services company, big financial services company. And we're just kind of brainstorming on partnerships that would make sense. And, you know, when I think of WeWork, I think of the gig economy, right? These are gig economy, meaning Uber and Lyft and WeWork where people are not full-time employed yet, essentially. Upwork and Fiverr and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't it make sense if you were either a new employee or a new tenant within WeWork to be handed a package from a company that is providing 401k and retirement services and say, hey, you know, nobody else is looking out for your financial future. We're partnered with this company and we recommend them. You know, why don't you get something set up with those guys? You know what I mean? And so that, that's the world of partnerships that we're diving into and trying to um, make on the same stage or ahead of you know, traditional sales and marketing. Well, and so to kind of keep this point going here, I think we talk a lot about category creation on on this show and the idea of like, you know, you're probably onto something with category creation when this currently isn't a job in the C-suite, but down the road, it probably should be. You know, if there's a chief partnership officer down the road, then, you know, that's that's probably a really good thing for impact. But, you know, as someone who used to do strategic partnerships, I had a partnership that I was working on where it was a, we were licensing something at the company that we were trying to get as essentially a check block into a technology platform. Like, hey, are you this? Like, this is, you know, powered by blank. And then they would get a certification to find whether or not this business had been through these requirements, right? Like, where does that sit? Because that's kind of like product. It definitely has legal involved because you have, you're dealing with licensing. But at the end of the day, it's a revenue generator. So it sits under you know, the chief revenue officer, presumably. And it's 100% a marketing asset because you're expanding the reach of this you know, media company to a technology platform that has you know, 100 million users. So like those type of things, the complexity required and the multifunctional 
you know, all, all of the multifunctional relationships is pretty tough. And it's kind of like herding cats, right? And then the final piece of this is, let's say you do that. Let's say you set that partnership up and you, they're licensing, you know, a brand and it's going great. How do you tell if it's going great? How do you track that? Are both sides getting what they wanted to get out of this? You know, is one side getting, oh, every single, you know, business is now certified and we know if these people are good to go. And is the other side getting, you know, the brand equity? How do you track that? And I think that, you know, obviously it's something that you're working on, but I think that that's the key piece of all of this is like every one of these business partnerships is extremely complex or potentially extremely complex. and it's truly something very creative. Like you have to see white space and say, I see something there that could be amazing. But at the end of the day, if you don't track it and show the impact, it's going to end or it's not going to get renewed or this can't just be feel good stuff, right? Absolutely. So, you know, there's a couple questions in there and I would kind of first start by just saying, you know, you asked, where does this sit within the enterprise? And I think it's different for, for every company but it tends to sit pretty high up within an organization because it's complex, because it typically spans across multiple functions within a company, right? Where it's, it could touch product, it could touch marketing. You need to have somebody with enough authority and credibility within the company to kind of collaboratively work across functions of a company to put something together, essentially. So whether that reports to the chief operating officer or the CEO, typically not the CMO in my experience, but typically high up. And at our company, for example, we're absolutely drinking our own champagne. We have a, a vibrant and a growing partnership team that I'm directly involved with and work extensively with. And the way that we run it is, you know, we've got our processes around strategy, planning, pipeline management. We're talking about deal structure. We're talking about negotiation. We have our business reviews with the partners. You know, we're talking about, hey, we referred you X amount of business. And if the partnership calls for it, we're evaluating the referrals that we got back. We do that with a lot of our uh, consulting firms that we work with and agencies that we work with, for example, that are referring a fair amount of business for us. And then, you know, the, the more tactical parts of it is a lot of what our software automates, essentially. So we're handling the contracting, you know, between the enterprise and the partner. We're handling the tracking and the proper attribution of those partners who are referring customers. We handle the payment processing. And so a lot of the dashboarding and the reports that go into preparing for those business review sessions are all part of it for sure. And then when you start getting into like the strategy parts, of course, you know, I already mentioned that we're providing the discovery engine for that kind of stuff, the automation around, you know, think of HubSpot, like the automated storyboard emails that would go out to a partner. And you'd ask that a little earlier as well. Like, how do you, how do you find like a micro influencer? How do you get them on board? Like you, we would just say you automate it. You set it up in our software and you've got these automated notes that go out, hey, I found you while searching for this topic on Instagram. I think you'd be a perfect fit for my products. Take a look. It's all automated. They're seeing how to become a partner. They sign up. You can you know, get in there and insert your different uh, processes for how you review and approve partners and then just kind of let the automation kind of take over. So I think it's a mix of the tactical parts that I talked about and then you've got the organizational component on how it's managed internally, which um, is unique to each company, I think. Well, talking about partnership automation, uh, obviously, we talk about marketing automation a lot on the show and our amazing sponsor, Pardot, and the great stuff that they do. But also, you know, I think this idea of partnership automation as a function of that is really critical. My concern 
would be, and for the for the marketing leaders that are listening, if they don't have a seat at the table in these conversations, if this is a business development person, or if it falls under the COO or whatever it is, and these type of things are happening outside the marketing organization, how do you make sure that you do get involved in this? And what are some things that you've seen marketers do to make sure that they're involved? Because if it was my organization and we had a huge partnership with Southwest, you know, every single podcast guest, we flew out here uh, on Southwest, you know, you could be, you could be hundred percent sure that I would be involved in that process. So I'm, I'm curious what your advice would be. I think if CEOs, CFOs, and COOs, those three specifically, or anyone that's, that's at that level within an organization. So above a CMO, above a head of sales, it's got to be your CEO, CFO, COO. If they are not aware of the power of partnerships, they're going to lose their job very soon, like flat out. Because what I see happening, honestly, you know, I'll just point to people like Ticketmaster and Fubo TV, for example. It's not a lot of people. Like these are some highly intelligent, highly capable people with the skill set that we've already talked about. You know, maybe they came from investment banking, M and A. Maybe they got a product slant, but they're putting together partnerships in place with just a couple people that are contributing more to those organizations than what a traditional, fully built out sales organization or marketing organization can do. And so, in my opinion, that's like probably the number one category to be investing in just because of the efficiency that's in there. Like you don't need to take on the full cost of these more expensive programs and functions within an enterprise. If you can get the right partnership people on board, I mean, it could be transformational for the enterprise. And so we're starting to see that and we're trying to get that story out there more. We have our uh, customer event once a year in New York uh, right now, it's called Impact Growth, where we're telling these kinds of stories. I think it's just a matter of time before more and more enterprises truly understand exactly what's happening here. And then we'll start to kind of make that level of commitment and investment in, in partnerships as that next category of, of growth for the enterprise. So what do you think that the CMO could do to be able to, yeah, and this is, again, it's similar to category creation, right? Where, you know, you have to get those three folks that you talked about, if they're not, you know, if the CEO is not on board with category with designing your category, like not going to last long. So how would you go about doing that? How would you recommend that a marketing leader should talk to the CEO about your partnership strategy? It would have to be a special CMO, I think, to be able to handle partnerships. Today's CMO already has a lot on her plate. When you think about like getting the vision, the product positioning right, the strategy around the brand, that matched with how sophisticated and quantitative account-based marketing and other demand gen programs have become. Like It's hard enough to find a CMO that can do both the strategy and the positioning plus the account-based marketing type of tactics that's required to really you know, get that pipeline. I call it the flywheel, like the demand gen flywheel where I can just very confidently predict that if I put a dollar in to marketing, I'm going to get three plus dollars back in revenue. Like I want my CMO building a system, a flywheel that does exactly that. To ask that same person to now get into the world of partnerships is asking a lot. It's doable for the right person, but with the folks that I've come across with in my career, it would have to be a pretty special person to, to take that on as well. Maybe they could start by introducing the organization to the concept if they're not already aware of it, 
you know, get a couple of these deals in place, but I think it's going to get so big where it's going to have to be peeled off and managed kind of as a function alongside traditional marketing or, or sales, in my opinion, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. But if it does need to get peeled off, it's like it's got to start from somewhere, right? Like that's kind of, I mean, I, I would imagine if you're, if you're a company that's been around for 40 years and you don't have an official partnerships program underway and you're a marketer listening to the show saying, hey, sounds like we need to do this. And it definitely has part of it that's in my lane. I would like to be the one who brings this to the attention of the team. And yeah, maybe, maybe you incubate inside of the marketing organization and spin it out to reporting to the COO or, or whatever. But I just think, you know, positions the, the marketing leader as, you know, the person who's finding good ideas and bringing it to the team. I'd also advise them to maybe rethink what is the mission of marketing? Like marketing's mission has typically been fill the pipeline for sales. That's how I think most, most organizations think about marketing. And, you know, maybe that needs to be broadened. I mean, in a lot of companies, it's, it is broader than that, where it's, it's overall like revenue to the company. But today's CMO, if they understand the opportunity here in this channel, can make themselves more relevant to their CEO by saying, listen, we're not just serving sales, we're serving the company. And we're working on some creative partnership opportunities as part of this marketing function that we think are going to contribute to meaningful revenue. This is outside the typical system that we've put together in terms of filling the sales top of funnel, but here's how it's going to be contributing to, um, to sales essentially, or to, to uh, revenue for the company. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it that way it, it could be successful with that. Yeah. I think we talked to a lot of CMOs that, especially if you have self-serve, like if you have self-serve, then those folks generally speaking own a number now, you know, if there's, if they're, if they're managing the entire acquisition funnel for a certain product, and then, you know, enterprise works its way up from there, like they're probably owning a number anyways. So it, it's pretty logical to be able to say, hey, if this impacts, you know, bottom line revenue, I need to be involved. Let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing with the world's number one CRM. Lightning round, fast and easy questions. David, are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, what app on your phone do you use that is the most fun? Uh, I'd say the newest app as well is, is Canva, which is yeah. just quick and simple graphic design, especially for when Photoshop is, is overkill. Uh, we actually just signed them recently as a customer, and I listened to a recent podcast with their CEO and was just fascinated with the whole story based out of Australia and um, yeah, highly recommend people check it out. Yeah, that's it's it's a really remarkable story. Yeah, she came over to uh, to the U.S. and fully admitted she's like I had no idea what I was doing, and I just came over to get a meeting. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty great story. There, we use them a lot. Favorite vacation spot? Without a doubt, Tavarua, Fiji. And I I think my family would agree as well. It's a very small, relaxed island, less than uh, twenty berets, I think they call them. I like to surf. I like to kiteboard. I like to fish. It's got all that. And then some, what I really love best about it, honestly, was just sharing the island with a small group of people. And this is like maybe three, four years ago. I'm still friends with those same people that, that I was there for a week with. Just absolutely loved it. Favorite ad campaign that you are a little envious of? 
I think LinkedIn does a pretty good job of promoting their culture. And so I, I typically see, you know, videos that they'll post on LinkedIn. I think I've seen some on TV as well. You know, it seems like people at LinkedIn are, are pretty happy and into the company. That's definitely something that, uh, that we work towards here at Impact as well. Favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? I'd say my favorite book is, is probably Five Dysfunctions of a Team by uh, Patrick Lencioni. I think it's a great playbook for establishing a cohesive, collaborative leadership team. Uh, the Advantage actually is another good one by Lencioni, which incorporates a lot of the ideas from Five Dysfunctions with some of his other philosophies. I, I guess I just really love business books in general. Outliers and Blank by Malcolm Gladwell, Measure What Matters by John Doerr, Extreme Ownership, written by some former Navy SEALs. Uh, Let My People Go Surfing by Yvonne Chouinard. He's the uh, founder of Patagonia, are, are all you know some of my favorite business books. Just started reading uh, Born a Crime by uh, Trevor Noah, recommended to me uh, by a colleague. Uh, just interested in his story and roots being from South Africa. We have a, a pretty large office in, in Cape Town, South Africa, about 150 people there. So I'm uh, very much looking forward to that book. What technology are you most excited about for the future marketing? I'd say the combination of mobile and AI. Uh, so as much concern there is around data and privacy and things like that, I do think that as enterprises form deeper and deeper first-party relationships with their customers, I do think and predict that customers are going to open up and trust them to, you know, just make themselves more relevant to their lives. And, you know, I just think about just how you go about your day. Everything is, is clearly all mobile and I'm just super interested in, in how enterprises can in the future kind of predict things just to make our lives a lot easier. You know, we still have too many steps to get things done, whether it's checking out or first discovering a product. And I'm sure that's uh, the future of marketing. What's your best advice for a first-time CEO? Get to know your people, your product, and your customers, first and foremost, and make sure you understand them deeply. Last question. What question do you rarely get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Where are you from? Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, which... I think is a great place to grow up. Very humble beginnings, blue collar, working class, deep woods in the backyard, just very wholesome upbringing. I think that was important, I think, in just establishing who I am as a person. When I think back, you know, to, you know I've lived in California now for over 20 years, pretty fast paced. I raised my kids in California. You know, I sometimes wish they had a more wholesome upbringing, to be honest but really proud of the fact that I'm from the Midwest. Awesome. David, thanks so much for, for hanging out on the show. Uh, really appreciate you spending some time with us. And uh, any, any, any final thoughts, any final words? I just want to underscore the fact that partnerships are the next wave of enterprise growth and Impact is providing a partnership automation SaaS solution to help enterprises maximize their opportunity with partnerships. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. Talk soon.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot. World-class marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in the show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.